Kia ora whanau. It's nice to be here this morning. Thanks to my two fans that clapped for me. It was really nice. Um, it's really good. Hey, uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to be back here. It's, it's been quite a journey for me, and over the next uh, uh, few moments, I'm going to do a bit of a mixture between a message and a bit of a testimony. So I hope I don't uh, bore you today, and um, hopefully there's something that I'm going to share this morning that uh, will resonate, and uh, hopefully um, won't become too forgettable too quickly. Because um, the Lord likes to plant in our hearts, eh? he doesn't like us to forget as we walk out the door, so, so um, here's hoping that's the case. But for those of you that don't know me, um, I've got a family. Oh, I've got to turn it on, I just, jingoes, I forget that. There you go, there's my family. Um, there's my wife, Lanier, she's one of the elders here, so I need to behave when I'm up on stage here, making sure I don't say anything wrong. She gave me some good advice just before I came up here. Make sure your zip is done up. Okay, all the advice you need from your elders, eh, right there. Um, so yeah, that's Linnea, and, um, and then we've got three kids. Oh, not yet, it's not Linnea, no, there you go. Um, so i got three kids, Addison, our eldest, has just finished his second year at uh, university. He's studying engineering and music up in Auckland. He's finished uh, year two. And then we've got Hadley, who's finished year 12, almost, at BC, and going to year 13, and then Jacina, who's year 10, going to year 11. I'm very blessed to have a very loving family who um, are all following the Lord, and it's just such a blessing to have. And as you saw before, my other family, uh, cows. And when people meet me and I meet them, they go, oh, you're the cow man. So what I've worked out is that people sort of click off after the screen for some reason. So they remember a lot about me, but it stops with the cows. So that's all right, but I am a cow man. I have, um, we have. Uh, a share of four dairy farms in Australia that I manage from a distance and that's been increasingly challenging over this year of course where I haven't been able to get over there and, and see my cows as much as I'd like. I miss my cows. Yeah, yeah, bit of sympathy, bit of sympathy. Yeah, it's been February since I saw my cows. Anyway, so I do love my cows. Um, but thankfully, I also work with dairy farmers in New Zealand, so I do get to see cows every day um, in my uh, job as a farm advisor, uh, helping them to uh, do their businesses um, better and reach their goals and help family succession plans, and it's, it's a very cool spot to be working in when you're working with farmers who love their families and love their business and love their stock and love their land, and we try and do the best that we can for all of that. So that's me, and every now and then I get asked to speak up here, and um, it's been a couple of years, or just under two years, and for me it's been quite a journey. And today I've been given the, the topic of, or the section of 1 Corinthians 15 verses 1 to 11, and I've titled it, God Does Care. Because really for me that's the, the lesson that I got out of the last 18 months, when I've been on quite a journey. And to be honest, 12 months ago I was sitting in church here, um, every week, absolutely convinced that God no longer cared. And it's a horrible place to be. And I'm sure that there's people here today that might also feel right now that God doesn't care. Maybe God doesn't care in your world because you've had illnesses or sickness, or you've had relationship breakdowns, or you've got financial challenges or business challenges. Maybe there's physical challenges you're going through. But the chances here, there's people here today who feel that God doesn't care. Maybe there's people online watching, and they're not here today because they feel as though God doesn't care. The message I want to give you today is that God does care. 
And I want to take you on a bit of a journey as to how I'd learnt that, because I was pretty stubborn for a while. So when we first bought our farm, we bought our first farm about 15 years ago. And we bought in this area of Australia in south uh, east Victoria, about two and a half hours out of Melbourne, because this was where my research said was the safest water source in Australia. If you're going to farm in Australia, you need to farm with water. And so this is where we bought. And this lake is where we get our water, our irrigation for our farms. And historically, it's the safest place to farm in Australia because this source of water fills up every year. Also, we thought. In May last year, this is what that lake looked like. This was May, and just to jump forward a few months, it took eight and a half months after this point in time before we got any significant rain. So this was what May looked like last year. This was the water inlet into the lake. That's normally a boat. That, that's a speed of five knot speed limit for boaties coming down that river. Can you see that river? All right, now I'd taken shareholders over to look at our farm, and I took them at this point in time. That was a great day. I'd normally take them when it looks good, and I thought it was going to, and here I'd take the shareholders over to the farms and show them why we bought in this safe water area of Australia. So this was in May, and oh, this one here. For those of you that know us, it's good you're sitting down, because the first thing you're noticing is Lanier and gumboots. The shock of that. But there she is, she's wearing gumboots. The other thing is we're standing at the end of the boat ramp. Right, so this is a boat ramp into this is quite a, one of the main recreational lakes in the area where people go and do all this boating and skiing and stuff. And this is at the very end of the boat ramp and you can see how far away the water is. So we're in a real pickle. The problem with this was this was May. And as I said before, it took eight and a half months before any relief came rain-wise. And so this was sort of in the middle of a point where I'd got to the stage where, God, why aren't you providing the rain? We, we did all the right decisions and we got these farms and rain was desperately needed. We were losing about $150,000 a month at this point because we were buying feed that was a very expensive feed to feed the stock. I, like any farmers, feeding the cows is the non-negotiable, keeping stock fed. And so we were just buying feed, buying feed, buying feed at exorbitantly high prices to make sure our cows weren't starving. And it was costing us about 150 grand a month. And we're going backwards and backwards and backwards. And as this took longer and longer, I was convinced more and more that God didn't care about it. Because he could have easily bought rain. God can easily bring rain. But he chose not to. So not only this, but we'd also already booked a family holiday. And a wonderful holiday, a life lifelong holiday we were going overseas to Canada and America for five weeks. So this was already booked to happen that we ended up doing it in January, in December, January. But what that meant was is that I was increasingly feeling guilty because I couldn't afford to pay for the feed. We were getting more and more debt. And here I was planning this family holiday. And so the guilt of that was one thing to be going down the tube financially, but the guilt. And so I was coming here every Sunday and I couldn't close my eyes. I couldn't sing, stand like this, feel sorry for our worship team, because I usually sit near the front. There's no way I could sing. The guilt was huge. And as, as this went on, the increasingly feeling as though God didn't care. So that's why today I'm coming from this. Now, I'll, I'll talk more about later where the lesson that I learned, where God taught me very, very clearly that he does. And hopefully today we can, we can all get a bit of that. So 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 11. Let's read that through together. 
Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and he, he appeared to Cephas, who was Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether, then, it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. Let's just pray, eh? Heavenly Father, as we look at these verses, I pray that you'll give us a new sense of your love and your care for us. Lord, I pray is that we're reminded of the gospel, that we'll all uh, take on the true uh, knowledge and uh, fact of the gospel message. And Lord, I pray as we leave today that we will go with a renewed uh, sense of your love and your care for us and for those people around us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so he starts by saying, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. Now, you, you may remember when Craig started this uh, talk or this series on uh, Corinthians that we talked, uh, that he came in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And in that, we get reminded, this is what Paul's gospel that he's telling these people that he's to be reminded of. This is what he says. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. So right at the very start, this is what Paul had said. And then in 1 Corinthians 15, he's telling the people, I want to remind you of the gospel that I brought, first brought for you. And this is the gospel he's talking about. I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And then later on, he talks about that faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. And what I've seen and what I've realized in the last couple of years is that as my faith started resting more and more on human wisdom, my faith became more and more shaky. And as I went further away from what God was trying to teach me and just who God is as the crucified saviour, as I went further away from that, my faith got more and more shaky. And so the reminding that Paul wants to do today is, I, is that he says, I want to remind you of the gospel, which was to know nothing except Christ Jesus and him crucified. So I just want to summarise the gospel according to Paul. And for us to be reminded of what this is. And this is what he talks about in these verses that we'll cover a bit in a minute. The Gospel according to Paul. Jesus Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised to life. He then appeared, appeared to many people. And his love and forgiveness is for everybody. 
That's it, folks. That's all that really matters in our faith. And when Paul says, I just want to remind you of the gospel, it's because we've just had, for those of you that have been here over the series, we know that Corinthians covers many, many, many topics. Topics of spiritual gifts and church leadership and marriage and divorce and, and a whole lot of issues that I've been part of churches that have split over. And probably many of you have as well. We've seen good, faithful churches completely split over issues that are not of this gospel. Each of those churches that I was part of that split, actually there's the one church that I was part of that split, not all churches that I go to split. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, the one <laughs> We all believe this. And yet as we went away from the gospel, we started relying on human wisdom and we got away from the faith that Paul is talking to us about. The gospel according to Paul is that Christ died for our sins, he was buried, he raised to life, he appeared to many people, and his love and forgiveness is for everyone. If you go away thinking of nothing else today other than that I'm the cow man, remember these. Remember this gospel. This is what Paul is trying to remind us of uh, in these passages. Paul says, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you. By this gospel, you are saved. And what we need to know, people, is that it is by this gospel we are saved. It is not through whether we wear head coverings or not. It is not through whether we speak in tongues or not. It is not through whether we are married or not, or have been divorced or not. None of the issues that we've talked about in Corinthians, or none of the issues that we often spend so much of our time looking at Facebook on and None of that is what saves us. What saves us is Jesus Christ dying, being buried, and rising again. That's what saves us. And not only does it save us once and for all, for eternal life, but it's what saves us when we're going through times where we feel as though God doesn't care. If you're now feeling at a time where God doesn't care for you, let's get back to this gospel. That is what saves us. It saves us from the despair we are in. If your relationships are falling apart, let's get back to the gospel. Jesus Christ is there. Jesus Christ is where uh, repentance and reconciliation and rebuilding can come. It is by this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word that Paul preached. All right, so then he goes on and he explains his gospel. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins. Right, first importance, Christ died for our sins. One of the things I grew up in a church where the gospel, the gospel service was on every week. And it was a wonderful thing. And we, we had communion every week, which was a wonderful thing. And we were reminded so much of this. I love the fact that this church still preaches Christ and him crucified. And I love the fact we have communion once a month, at least. But folks, so much of the information we get whether it's through Facebook or from some churches and everything else like that, is, is not about Christ and his death for us. Christ died for our sins. Now, so the first thing you might say is, well, I haven't sinned. Now, if that's you and you've come with anybody today, ask them. All right? Ask them if, if you have sinned or not. And the chances are they'll let you know. Right, and if you're online, uh, you can ask someone next to you if you've sinned, and they will probably let you know as well. But the Bible also tells us in Romans 3.23, uh, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
Right? Christ died for our sins and we've all sinned. And we've all fallen short of the glory of God. This message is not for everybody else. This message is for everybody, including you and me. It also says in Romans in 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So the thing about this is that it says, right, we've all sinned, and the wages of sin is death, which really is meaning that the consequences of our sin is separation from God. That's the consequences of our sin. So we've all sinned, and we all die, yes, but the, the, the meaning here is about being separated from God. So our sin is what separates us from God. So the consequences of our sin is that we're separated from God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And so it's only through Christ that that separation from God can be brought back together again for us to have eternal life. So folks, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And the consequences of the sin is separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So when Paul says, so the first instance, Christ died for our sins. That's why Christ died, is so that we could be brought back to God. That he was buried and he was raised on the third day. And then he appeared to Cephas, which is another name for Peter, and then to the twelve. And if the verses had stopped there, I reckon I would be cynical, to be honest. Like, I'm a relatively cynical person, and I think if Jesus had only appeared to Peter and the twelve, I don't know that that would have been convincing enough for me. I just don't, because they were pretty committed to that cause anyway. They were pretty, you know, their whole lives, the last three years have been pretty committed to this person. And if they had just said, oh, look, Jesus appeared to us in the back room. I know none of you saw him, but he really did appear to us. I just don't think that would have cut it. But clearly Jesus didn't. He also appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time most of whom are still living. So Paul says, you can go and talk to them. They're still living. Go talk to them. Some have passed away. But some of them are still living. Go talk to them. Then he appeared to James and all the apostles, and the last of all, he appeared to me. And so here's Paul writing this, and he's saying, I've seen the risen Lord Jesus. I am telling you firsthand that Jesus Christ has risen again. Folks, if Jesus Christ did not rise again, our faith is meaningless. But we can be absolutely sure that he did rise again. Because he didn't just appear to one. He didn't just appear to his loyal followers. He appeared to many, many people at the same time. He appeared over, a, some would say, the Bible talks about a 40-day period, Paul talks about. So he was not just a, he didn't zip up on stage here in front of the big congregation and then zip off again and then all of us 500 go, oh, yep, he appeared to all of us. He appeared over a 40-day period and then he appeared to Paul as well. Christ's death, his burial, and his resurrection are very, very much part of why we believe what we believe. And I think is undisputable and convincing to me anyway. Where am I? Oh, yeah. Um, the other thing this is that when Paul's talking to a lot of the Jews who knew the Old Testament very, very well, is that he says twice in this passage, according to the scriptures, according to the scriptures. So Paul wasn't just bringing up this new plan of this is how salvation came about. He was kept on going back to Christ, back to the scriptures, saying the scriptures have foretold this. The scriptures have foretold this. Jesus is fulfilling the scriptures that you all know so well and have been waiting for.
And then Paul says, For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. And I think one of the saddest things um, I hear, and I've heard just recently from a friend of ours, when we asked her to come to church, is that her response was, I'm just not good enough. I've just done too many wrong things to come to church. You know, and I think it's such an easy thing for us to get into. Not just for us, but for those people that aren't believers. Who they just think that they are just, just not good enough to come to church. You know, and I've, you know, again, 12 months ago, I'm sitting down there, convinced God didn't care for me. I, I believed he loved me and that he died for me and all that, but he actually didn't care about the details. You know, and I'd convinced myself over the last 12 months that he just didn't care. And all of the thoughts and the, the feelings and the emotions and the anger and everything that comes with that has just been a huge thing that I've had to overcome to even be here this morning. And the last three weeks or four weeks as I've been preparing, it's been a huge barrier. Because so I've kept thinking, I can't go off on stage. I can't speak. It wasn't that long ago, some of the thoughts I've been having and, and the anger. And then this verse kept coming to me. I'm the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. And by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. Paul went out of his way to kill Christians. Paul had gone big-time anti-Christian. He was out there overseeing people and killing anyone, or overseeing the killing of anyone that would stand up for Christ. Paul had come from a very, very bad place, and yet his God's grace was sufficient for him, so it's sufficient for me, and therefore it's sufficient for you as well. Folks, you cannot be in a bad enough place that God's grace will not be effective in your life. There isn't. You cannot be anywhere that is too bad that God cannot reach out and touch you. So here, so here we get to, so those pictures of our uh, lake was in May. And then, as I said, we had this trip booked in for December. And so really, uh, one of the blessings, um, which I didn't feel at the time, but was, was the bank had given us some money towards paying a, a, a big bunch of the fee bills. Um, and there was still quite a big bunch outstanding. But that money from the bank was certainly helpful for the guilt thing for me, for sure. So we'd been able to pay off a big chunk and we were starting to make progress. But the reality is, at that spot that I was in, I was still convinced that God didn't care. And so even when, when that came through, I was very grateful. Um, didn't really take it as a thing from God because I'd been asking for stuff like that for months and I had believed that he didn't care. So that, so that wasn't from him because he didn't care about it. So anyway, so by the time we got to January, um, I was in a pretty bad spot. I'd put on about 20 kilos. Uh, my eyesight's gone. Um, I can't still see stuff with my glasses. Well, I can actually. I can see three or four of you. Um, oh, strike three or four of Dave. That's terrible. <laughs> Um, one's bad enough of Dave um, so anyway so we get to the and one of our things for, for our trip was we were going to Disneyland and we booked three days in Disneyland and as anyone who might know about Disneyland is that there's this new Star Wars ride anyone a Star Wars fan? oh what? this is seriously a bad 
Really? Yeah. Um, so anyway, so Star Wars had these, or Disneyland had these new Star Wars rides. And, but one of the problems was is that the, the main Star Wars ride didn't come out until after our first lot of three days, but it was coming out the day that we were supposed to be getting on a cruise ship. And so fortunately, when we bought three days, we had a fourth day free. So Hadley, our second son, decided that we should go to Star Wars, try and get this ride done before we hop on the cruise. Okay, but the problem with this is that um, how they were doing, because it was such a popular ride, is that you had to do a virtual line. And basically you had to scan into Disneyland and then you had to clock into this virtual line and first in, first serve, right? Okay, now what we knew was on the first day, so it opened the day before, the first day there was 126 groups had gone through, okay, on the full day. What they did is that they guaranteed 75 groups. So if you were there for the whole day, as long as you got in the top 75, you were guaranteed the ride on this Rise of the Resistance ride. Okay, so that would be the aim for most people. However, we had the problem is that we had a boat to catch and that was leaving, or we were supposed to be boarding at half past one to two, to two o'clock. So we didn't have to get in the top 75, we had to be in that top 20 groups to get on this ride. And so Hadley had the bright idea that we should get up at two o'clock in the morning to get to Disneyland in time. Now Addison, the eldest son, he thought sleeping was a much better option. So Hadley and I got up at two o'clock in the morning, we get to Disneyland and there were 15 or so other people that beat us. That's pretty gutting, hey, to get there at that time of morning and still not get first. But anyway, we got there, and so we were waiting from 2.30 by the time we got there, or 3 o'clock, and then the idea was 8 o'clock, the gates opened, walk in, scan open, book your thing, have to be in the top 20 because we're at the front of the line. Makes good sense. However, five or so thousand other people also thought it would be a good idea. And at 6.30 in the morning... Still an hour and a half before opening time, 5,000 people or so were still waiting outside and they'd run out of space for more people. So they had the bright idea that they're going to open the gates earlier to let us into Disneyland. But what that meant was is that we all scanned through but we couldn't book our things still till 8 o'clock. No way! So by the time 8 o'clock came, there was 10,000 or more people at Disneyland waiting to book their Star Wars flight. So you could just imagine, we're all preparing, we're all finding our spot where the coverage is the best, ready, and there's 10,000 of us, and you can imagine the noise around Disneyland, noise, 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 eight o'clock on the dot, silence. Absolute silence. And on there, Hadley's got the job of doing it, I've got the backup phone, just in case anything happened, and within five seconds, six seconds, all of a sudden you hear people cheering. Cheering, cheering. And I'm looking at Hadley, dude, come on, what, what are you doing here? Hurry up. And I can't remember if it was 12 or 15 seconds he took. I think he took 15 seconds. Anyway, 15 seconds he gets on group 88. Yeah. Heartbreaking. Like normally, if we had the whole day, we'd say 88, fair chance. Not guaranteed, but a fair chance. But we'd be in the top 20. So... Hadley and I had some decisions to make. How on earth are we going to... We can't give up this easily. Hadley doesn't give up, and I'm pretty stubborn, as my wife will attest to. So we did a few rides, and then we decided we'd go and look at where people were going in to find out what's going to be our ploy here. What, what can we do to get on this ride earlier? So we're there, and we're watching people going through, and they were sort of going through in groups. And so I'm going, 
I reckon we could sneak through. I reckon they were going in groups, let's just sneak in the back of one of these groups and I reckon we'll get through. Now, Hadley, he is a very good lad. We call him our Minister of Justice because he's a bit of a right and wrong person. He goes, no, 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 Dad, we can't do that. Um, let's pray and uh, then go and ask someone. And I'm going, are you kidding? I didn't say that out loud. I said, good son. You're your mother's boy, aren't you? Um, and I did say to him, I said, Hadley, great, I, I just think we should sneak. So I tried to argue, he goes, no, 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 Dad, no. Anyway, so he prays, Lord, please help us get on. You know, and when he prayed that prayer, I clearly remember saying, amen, good boy, and then in my head saying, but God, God does not care. Thinking, you poor son, you think God cares, but he doesn't really. He doesn't care about, he certainly doesn't care about the rise of resistance, right? So anyway, so we go and we decide, right, here's this lady. So this is, again, me at work. This lady, you always go to a lady because they're nicer. And so here's Lady Hadley, put on your pathetic face. Um, so okay, we walk up to this lady, pathetic face, Hadley, um, poor boy. He's probably a bit old, really, to get the real sympathy vote, but we tried. Um, you know, we've come from New Zealand and we've been here since 2 o'clock in the morning and, and we're going on a cruise and really this is, we just really wanted, is there any way, you know, we can get on early? Anyway, she was very nice and, oh, I'll go and talk to someone. So they went and they had quite a long conversation. I'm going, boom, I, I reckon, I reckon this is looking good. Anyway, she came back and she goes, look, I've just talked to my boss. If you're in the top 75, which was a guaranteed spot, I reckon we'd try and swing in there, but at 88, you're not a guaranteed trip anyway, so I'm sorry we can't help you. Well, that was gutting. First of all, Hadley's put-on face turned into a real sad face. And um, anyway, so we walked along, but the reality is particularly Hadley's attitude was incredible. You know, and then we walk along, and while we're walking along, I am just screaming in my head at this point, see God, told you you didn't care. You don't care about this. You don't care about the farms. You don't care about the rain. You don't care I'm 20 kilos heavier. I can't see. You don't care I've hurt my Achilles tendon. You just don't care. And I was absolutely convinced. And I had my little tanty in my head while saying, come on, Hadley, be brave. And then while I was having my little tanty, some guy rocks up with a official badge on, and he's just talking to Hadley. I didn't really notice him at first, to be fair, but he's talking to Hadley, and what he was doing to Hadley was just sussing out whether our story was true. He goes, oh, where are you guys from? And Hadley goes, oh, from New Zealand, and what are you up to? And, oh, we're going to a cruise, and Hadley goes, oh, you know, we've been, on the, been up since 2 o'clock in the morning, and he just gave the story. And the guy goes, well, you know, you know, Disneyland's the happiest place on earth. <laughs> and I'm going, yeah, well, could have been, you know. <laughs> he goes, I'm here to make your dreams come true and I'm going to put you on this, put you on this ride, bring you forward. Hadley's crying at the stage. I'm crying. 
And in my voice I hear, I do care. It was such an unbelievable moment where God showed that he cared about the little stuff. Well, it's quite big for Haley and I, but it, it wasn't the rain, wasn't the financial problem solved, wasn't the 20 kilos that was zipped away, I wish. It was a little thing that God showed very clearly, and he says, I do care. So, but he did say, he said, don't go straight away to the ride because everyone's just seen you, you know, sulking and putting on a performance. Um, so go and take half an hour and then come back and go for the ride. So we go and Hadley makes himself a droid. R288, we called it. In memory of our 88 group where God performed his miracle. And then we went on this ride. And it was the most amazing ride that I've ever been on. Now, a lot of road coasters are over one and a half minutes. This took about 20 minutes, which did, by the way, create some tension back to those that were waiting at the boat, all right, because it did make us a little bit late. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They didn't do that in the first service. Um, it was unbelievable, if you ever get a chance to go over the seas again. And then we get to the boat. And the thing is, we got back to the boat probably about an hour later than we should have. So my wife's hair colour definitely changed in that hour. Um, but, you know, up until this point, as far as the rain goes, I'd been on my rain gauge every day. And what would happen is that you get a five-day forecast or a seven-day or ten-day forecast, and sometimes you'd see rain out there, and every day... Usually, three or four times a day, I'm checking it. And what would happen throughout the last 12 months would be any forecasted rain, by the time it happened, it all disappeared. You know, and so one of the biggest heartbreaks that was, but one of the funniest things that God did, was we hopped on this boat where um, I was too tight to pay for any cell phone coverage while on the boat. Um, and so I went out of cell phone coverage for three days. And during that three days... Rain, 135 millimetres. We only needed about 20, but 135 was just another statement of God saying, I've told you I care with the Star Wars. Now I'm going to look after you as well. But the fact is he didn't tell me he cared by solving the issues that I thought I needed solving. He showed me he cared through a very simple little thing. And then he brought the rain. You know, and the fact of that knowledge of him caring, you know, when we've been in lockdown and I haven't been able to get to Australia, we've got four farms over there, and within a 24-hour period, three of my main staff resigned. Three of the farms. And I'll tell you what, if that happened 12, years, uh, 12 months earlier, that probably could have been catastrophic for me. You know, that I wouldn't have been able to prepare to handle that sort of issue, but... The knowledge of God caring just meant that these resignations happened three within 24 hours, and I'm thinking, strike. How am I going to solve this from over here? And yet, full knowledge that God cared, and he cared about the detail. And 
God had in mind. He's got us with better staff than we had before, with oversight that does as good a job as me, if not better. And it's just such a, a real blessing we've got over there that God has really brought to us. When Peter was asked to go and speak to the Gentiles, this is what Peter did. Peter fairly exploded with his good news. It's God's own truth. Nothing could be plainer. God plays no favourites. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. Or if you want God, or if you want God you are, and are ready to do as he says, the door is open. The message he sent to the children of Israel through Jesus Christ, that through Jesus Christ everything is being put together again. Well, he's doing it everywhere among everyone. There is no one where the love of Christ cannot reach. There is no place that you can be where the love of Christ does not reach. This is how much God loved the world. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go through all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust him is long, has long since been under the death sentence without knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one of a kind son of God when introduced to him. Folks, it's time again to be introduced to Jesus Christ. To be reminded of Jesus Christ and of his love and his care for us. And maybe you've never accepted the love of Christ before, or maybe you have, but you're in a place now where you just don't feel as though he cares. Today is a great day to make that decision and to choose to follow Christ and to choose to accept that Christ loves you and that he cares for you. It doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you've been, doesn't matter where you are right now. Christ died for your sins and for my sins. He was buried, he was raised again, and his love and forgiveness is for all of us. If you just want to stand and we're going to sing the song together, but before we do that, I just want to pray and, or you can stand while I'm praying. Um, if you've never asked Christ to come into your life, then I'd just like to lead a prayer, and if you'd like to follow me in that prayer, that would be great. And if you'd like to make a choice to follow Christ, we've got people at the front here that would love to pray with you. Or maybe you've already decided to follow Christ, but you're in a position of, of really feeling as though God doesn't care for you. Then we'd love to pray for you as well. Maybe you've got other things that you'd really like prayer for. We've got a prayer team that would just love to pray for you. Let's just pray together. Lord God, I know I have sinned and I pray that you will forgive me for these sins. I thank you that you sent Jesus, your son Jesus, to die on the cross so that my sin will no longer separate me from you. And Lord, I pray that you will come into my life, that you'll change my life, 
that you will be there to support and encourage and to lead me through whatever life brings. Lord, I commit myself to you today. And I thank you for your love and your forgiveness for me. In Jesus' name, amen. This is an amazing song. I reckon I would have been just happy to sing this song over 20 times instead of listening to me preach. Um, but, you know, through the song, look at the words. The words tells the story of the gospel. Uh, let's sing it. Let's praise our God because for those of us that have been saved, this gospel is what saves us. So let us really praise him this morning. And again, if you'd like to come up with prayer for prayer, then please do so. Thanks, folks.